there is no way to know about anything in real estate just from books and podcasts. Get as much as you can. But once you have enough knowledge, take action because there's always stuff that's going to come up that's not going to make it into a book or a podcast. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. Welcome to today's episode of Surgeon Syndicate. Today, we're going to finish our discussion with Ken Naim as we dig further into investing in land deals and warehouses. Today's show is sponsored again by Fortress Capital. Fortress Capital is a company that I started to help doctors invest in commercial real estate and help diversify their portfolio and build income streams. Let's get back to the conversation with Ken. One of your quotes here, it says, high returns don't always come with high risk. As I talk to other doctors, whenever we talk about higher returns, I always hear them say things like, oh, well, is that legal? Or that must be one of these deals I hear about on the news where a real estate person loses a bunch of money or goes belly up. How does that work? There is risk associated with everything, including doing nothing. Okay. So there is nothing that is risk free. Okay. And as a medical professional, you take a medicine, there's risk of side effects, there's risk of adverse reaction. You do surgery. There's risk to the surgery, but there's also risk to not doing the surgery. So there's always risk regardless of what you do. So if you look at a whole, yes, real estate might be more risky than, I don't know, the stock market theoretically. But on an individual deal, you can reduce your risk by educating yourself on real estate, educating yourself on the property, on the location, on the value of the property. If I buy a property at half its market value, even if things don't go right, I probably won't lose money on the deal. Okay. And personally, that's my number one rule. Just like Warren Buffett says, never lose money. So if you're buying something at market value, you have a lot more risk than if you buy something at less market value. If you're buying something that you don't know, you don't understand, you're going to have a lot more risk than if you do understand. So you can get higher returns with low risk, like that first warehouse. What made me so confident that I could rehab a 40,000 square foot warehouse in an hour and a half from my house? I knew the market was good. I knew the building was solid. It had a solid inspection on it, okay? And I knew it just needed to be really cleaned up, essentially. I knew that it appraised six months prior for $2 million and I bought it for $1.225 million. So even in its current condition, in a worse condition than I bought it, because they tried to clean it up a little bit, it appraised for two or $2.1 million. So I knew there was value in there. So it was just about how I managed the costs of doing the rehab. So I kept looking for people to pave it for a reasonable price. A lot of them wanted 200 grand, 300 grand for it. But I found a vendor that was very good for 110 grand. So if you manage your expenses well and you just don't go and take the first quote 
that you get and you make sure you get good people, you reduce your risk and you reduce your costs. And between all those factors, you can cut your risk 10% here, cut your risk 10% there, and improve your margins at the same time. And also by buying low and not just buying the first deal that comes across your desk, you reduce your risk further. But definitely don't go out and just buy something that sounds good and that you know nothing about. Sometimes the best money can be made on something that most people aren't seeing the value because they see a trash pile. But once you see that end use that other people don't see is where you get that good price, make it look like what other people don't see it can be. Yeah, that warehouse, I knew that the paving was going to be my biggest expense. So in the beginning, I tried to market it without doing the paving. And I got zero traction because the lot looked so bad. It looked like the surface of the moon. There were craters, there were holes, there were hills. I don't know how you get hills out of a parking lot, but they did. And it was really, really bad. And I got zero traction whatsoever. I spent the money, wrote the check. And after that, I started getting a lot more traction. And sometimes the answer is to spend money on it. You want it to look like a million bucks, or in my case, three million bucks. Uh, you want to sell it for that. And so don't be too penny pinching on one side, but don't go spending like crazy on the other side. You have to find the right balance. So something like warehouse, when I first heard about warehouses, I was like, I don't know anything about that. It was a completely intimidating space. So you're coming from tech and pharmacy. How did you learn about this warehouse space or get to where you felt like you had the knowledge to de-risk this and make it happen? I took confidence in my problem-solving abilities, okay? Do not get into real estate if problems scare you, if you don't know how to handle problems, if you're not a problem solver. But being a doctor, it's part of your skill set to be able to look into things, to diagnose and come up with solutions for it. So it should be a natural extension of what you do, okay? But real estate, any real estate at all, residential, commercial, industrial, office, all of it, is about problem solving because problems will come. So I relied on my ability to solve the problems as they arose. And that was the biggest thing. And there is no way to know about anything in real estate just from books and podcasts. They'll get you to a certain point. I don't say go in with zero knowledge. Get as much as you can. But once you have enough knowledge, take action. And if you want to know about warehouses, you have to buy one, okay? If you want to know about office space, you have to buy one. Same thing, you want to know about owning a home, you have to buy one because there's always stuff that's going to come up that's not going to make it into a book or a podcast or it's going to be different enough that somebody didn't cover it exactly. So once you have 60, 70% confidence, it's about time to go hands-on. And I guess even the first step because my first step is I learned some, and then I invested in some syndications and invested in other people's deals. It was like, I learned enough that I felt like I understood what was going on, but I didn't feel like I knew how to solve the problems. And then by jumping in and investing passively, 
because I could have read the stuff I learned in passive deals, but I didn't learn it like when I watched an apartment complex decreasing in value as interest rates went up. All of a sudden, <laughs> that was the real deal. But then seeing an experienced uh -huh. operator get uh -huh. out of that was a good learning experience. And they did things that I didn't know about, that I didn't know about beforehand. But watching the deal get saved, I was like, oh my goodness. And then you get some experience with that. Yeah, it really depends on the operator and how much of the actual operations they share with. You're only getting a report every now and again with the financials, and they're not telling you about the problems and the solutions, then it's a little bit hard to learn from there. But if you're closer with the operator or it's a smaller operator where they're willing to work with you and educate you in the process, then that's a great way to learn. And we've talked about that before, that when people call somebody they might be investing with passively, how that conversation goes, if they're really trying to figure out what your goals are and seem like they enjoy having that conversation with their investors versus if you feel like they're bothered by you taking up their time, that maybe might not be somebody to invest with. Exactly. So you've got some deals with investors. How often do you communicate with your investors? Well, I do communicate once a month with the investors via email, and I go into all the specifics of the deal that happened in the last month or so. But I am available to them all month long if they want to call me or email me, text me and to get updates or if they have any specific concerns or questions. I have one person that's really interested in land development. So he's actually joining me on a lot of calls with the city, with the county, with the engineers. And this way, he's getting some experience that way and learning some of the lingo and everything. So it just really depends on the investors. If they want more communication. I'm happy to talk to that. But I found the right balance to be about once a month. And I try to keep it in a bullet format. So it's very easy to read, takes them less than five minutes. I found investors, if you send them a 10-page long document, you'll get almost nobody reading it. But if it's under a page and it can take them five minutes and it has good content in there, that's what they're looking for. They well, that's great. Money is safe. Their returns are safe. That everything's on time, on budget, and that their risk is low. So once they're satisfied with that, that's their primary concern. They don't want a ton of graphs and a ton of pictures and, oh, we did this kitchen. Nobody cares what the kitchen looks like as a passive investor. I just learned something there that I'd never thought of learning the process, finding somebody that you can jump in on those calls. You're not burning up the operator's time. You're just joining them in the process and listening in on a process that otherwise is hard to get experience in. Another way would, I guess, would be to get a job with somebody doing that and learn the ropes for working for them. But if you're already a doctor and you're not looking to go get an assistant job, to be able to jump in on those calls and just listen in and hear the conversation. CC it on emails and just get a little bit of exposure to it. And then if you have questions, if they're willing to spend with you maybe an hour once a month to write up all your questions for the month, and then you ask them, oh, what about this? What about this? Why did you decide that? Well, that's a great. So that would be if you're investing passively, a great thing to ask operators when you're talking about their deals is, could I ride along in a little closer fashion to see what's going on? 
Yeah, and it really depends on the size of the operator. If you're going to go with a multi-billion dollar outfit, it's not going to happen. Can promise you all they want, but they're in sales. They're going to say yes to just about everything. And I've heard a lot of people ask and they say yes and they don't deliver. But if you go with your smaller operators, it's definitely a possibility. All right. I like that. So Ken, tell me more about when you say a value add investor. I love this question because I actually stole it from another podcaster and I don't remember who it was, but I heard it once. The question is, how do you add value to the world? Well, there are a lot of ways you add value personally and professionally. Professionally, I like to focus on making places better and more suitable for businesses, okay? Because the more businesses that you help out, the more businesses that can grow, that translates into more people employed, more people getting better salaries, businesses succeed, their owners and their employees succeed. So by being a value-add real estate investor, I'm adding value to the world by literally creating it from nothing. We take a building that was unusable and we make it usable, or that was usable and we make it even more usable. And that adds value to me. I feel very fulfilled by that. And I think the businesses that are in my properties feel much better for having a nice place and a good place to do business out. And on the personal side, I try to educate real estate investors about the benefits of commercial real estate. I try to help people out personally with their finances. A lot of people never got a financial education. And even though there's a lot of resources out there, in a way, it's too much resource and people don't know where to start. Do I follow this guy? Do I follow that guy? Do I listen to this podcast? Or some people don't even know where to look to begin with. So I try to help them out and teach them how to budget and teach them that it's not just how much you earn. It's also how much you spend, how much you save. And a lot of times individuals also have this problem. I've helped a few doctors out that they had high six-figure salaries but they were negative every month because they just did not know that after taxes and all these expenses that they don't have that much left over. They can't spend 50 grand a month. So it's a lot about how you manage your money, not necessarily how much you earn. So, so if somebody's just getting started in real estate, we'll do a last couple of questions here. What would you say is the most important thing to know when they're getting started? The most important thing about getting started is know your numbers, okay? Know how much money you want to invest. Know how much reserves you're going to need for cushion for when things go wrong. Not if they're going to go wrong, but when things go wrong. Don't invest your last dollar. Don't invest more than you can. Know that, okay, if things don't go right, do I have extra income or extra savings to put towards it until it stabilizes. My plan is to rehab this in six months, but what happens if it takes a year? What happens if it takes a year and a half? What happens if it doesn't get rented? So just know your numbers, know your contingencies, know your backup plan, okay? And don't look at the best case scenario. Have a realistic case and have a worst case scenario. So. This way, you're prepared if something happens. And if you think of the problems that could happen beforehand, you're not going to get scared and just try to run away and dump the first problem that comes up. Just the fact that you thought of potential issues 
already will calm you down when something comes up. So you need to be prepared. What was the biggest surprise issue you've ever had? With the warehouse deal, I didn't know to look to see if it was on city water and sewer. Okay. And it was not. And because the building wasn't sprinklered, because it was built before the sprinkler codes were came into the county, any new tenant would have to sprinkler the building. And sprinklers for that size building are not that bad. They're about $100,000. But that's when they're on city water and sewer. Okay. If they're not on city water, okay, you have to get a tank big enough to hold enough water for like two hours of sprinklers, okay, which is hundreds of thousands of gallons. And a tank that big is a fortune, okay? And you need to get a well that can actually fill that up. And to dig a well that deep, okay, is another $100,000. So a $100,000 project came out to be about $400,000. Luckily, I didn't need to do it as it turned out, but that was a big, scary moment. That's a great story. Well, Ken, thank you. Really appreciate you being on the show. If people wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? You can go to either on Facebook or LinkedIn. I can be reached either way, Ken Naim, N-A-I-M. And if you want to see upcoming deals, I'm starting to post them to beacon1.investnext.com. And I should be posting more and more deals over the next several months. All right, Ken. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you got value from this episode, you know other surgeons are hungry to become job optional. And you can help them by sharing this content today. I'd also love to serve you better. So I wanted to offer you two things. Number one. I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you take a moment and leave an honest written review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. And number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help you. Schedule a call and we can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.